Welcome to the Home Church Podcast. My name's Kenny, and I serve as the lead pastor here at Home Church, and we gather in Maiden, North Carolina. We're so glad you tuned in to today's episode, and we hope that this episode will help encourage you and inspire you as you continue to follow Jesus step by step. Well, good morning and welcome to Home Church again. My name is Kenny and I serve as the lead pastor here. And uh, in January, we started this year by laying out some vision for our church. And one of the things that we shared is we shared a couple of focuses that this year we wanted to really lean in on. And one of those uh, was what we're doing right now in this series. We've been in a series called This Is Our God. And the idea around this entire series has been rooted out of that first focus that we wanted to not just know about God, but we wanted to actually know who God is, know him more intimately, know him more specifically. And so this series we've been walking in is called This Is Our God, where we've been looking at building our house on the foundation of who God is. And so if you've missed any of those messages, I want to invite you to come and check out our YouTube channel. All of them are available right there for you to get caught up to if you've missed anything. But one of the other focuses that if you were here, you heard me share was We really have an intentional desire this year to raise up uh, and equip more leaders and more teachers in this house. And so today, uh, I get to introduce to you a really good friend of mine. His name is Tyler Truxel. Uh, Tyler and uh, his wife, Erin, we got a picture right here for you. Tyler and his wife, Erin, have been a part of our church since uh, before day one. Uh, And their kiddos, Hadley and Hayes, they're incredible family. Uh, Erin actually serves as one of the leaders in Treehouse Kids. Uh, and so, and their kids are awesome. Uh, they're like my kids, man. They feel like this place is just home. It's really, in a lot of ways, like, don't, it's just home. And so, uh, but Tyler serves as one of the elders of our church. And as I mentioned, one of the things that we're looking to do is raise up more leaders and more communicators to preach God's word and to lead in this house. And Tyler has been really stepping into that. And last October, I always get away in October and seek God on where he would have us go for the next year. Um, And so this day, this moment right here was ordained actually last October, and I think that's going to be really powerful as you hear Tyler preach today. So home church, this is a big deal. Uh, Not often do we get a chance to raise up leaders and communicators in the house, and so do me a favor. Let's uh, encourage him. Let's support him. Let's holler back at your boy and uh, have his back. But do me a favor. Help me welcome Tyler Truxell to the stage. Thank you. Love you. Thank you, Pastor Kenny. Good morning, Home Church. Good morning, everybody. It's an honor of mine not only to be here, but to be able to have the privilege to stand before you and deliver God's word to you today. My family and I have been with Home Church since Pastor Kenny shared it as a vision well over three years ago. I'm really humbled at how faithful God has been to this house. I've seen everywhere that we've been, and I'm really excited about where we am today and where we are going in the future. Today, I want to share with you several points that are important in understanding God is a covenant God. When you think of the word covenant, what comes to mind for you? For me, I think of my neighborhood HOA, a covenant that, a covenant that my house, household has no problems breaking. The word covenant simply means a binding agreement, a seal between two or more parties. Today, I want you to think of a covenant as God making promises with a select group of people who in turn, he asked to fulfill certain commitments to him. Biblically speaking, the word covenant is derived from the same, same root word, meaning to cut. Covenants were often cut or sealed in blood, meaning that they carried a great deal of weight with them. Unfortunately, the words cut in blood hit pretty close to home for me lately, 
and not because I was stealing covenants either. (laughs) Just over two months ago, I was in a freak accident at work. The ironic part about my accident is that I actually work in outside sales, only going into the branch a couple of times a month or to see customers. One of our branch locations was relocating in South Charlotte, and I was asked to come in on Saturday, December the 9th. I was there early to help. I was taking down some shelving with a coworker of mine. I was bent down, lifting up on the edge of a shelf when the end of a fork from a forklift unexpectedly came in and crushed two of the ends of my fingers on my left hand. Totally in shock, I yanked my hand back so hard that my glove came off to reveal two completely crushed fingertips. I tried to get Grayson to put up a slide right now of the pictures, but I got shot down. (laughs) Something about Kenny getting too many emails. I was rushed to the ER where my hand got cleaned up, bandaged up, and when I found out I wasn't having surgery that day, sent home to recover. Three days later, my wife Erin drove me down to Rock Hill to have surgery. I went in, was given some really good feel-good medicine, (laughs) and the next thing I knew, woke up in recovery once again with a bandaged hand. The next three to four days were some of what I thought were the most challenging and physically painful that I'd ever experienced. Little did I know, a different pain was right around the corner. On Friday, December 13th, three days after my surgery, Aaron took me to the doctor's office for a wound check. The nurse, after yanking, pulling, torturing my hand, and finally soaking it, got the bandages off. I sat on the table in the office, staring down, specifically at what used to be my middle and ring fingers, and there were no nails, no ends. See, ever since I'd been in the ER in a state of shock, my fingers were covered, bandaged up, the bandages giving me such a false sense of security. The nurse was going on and on about how to rewrap my hand each night, and I looked at Aaron and said, I'm going to pass out. (laughs) So they laid me down. I did not end up passing out. Um, I didn't look at my hand anymore. My fingers got rewrapped, and I got sent home to recover. Each night, I'd sit on the edge of the bed, and Aaron would bring in um, a dish of soapy water. She would lay out all of my bandages and um, and get ready to rewrap me. I would sit there somberly, stare at the ceiling, pick up my phone, do anything not to look at my hand. Now, my daughter Hadley felt the same way that I did about my hand. My son Hayes, he would lean his face in really close and stare at it. And he would say, Daddy, your fingers look awful. (laughs) All that to say, I was in a place where I knew what was gone was not coming back, but the last thing I wanted to do was accept that. Let me ask you this. Have you ever lost something that you knew you weren't going to get back? While it may not be like my story, I believe we can all relate to loss of some kind, whether that be a family member, a friend, a loved one, or even a dream we had, a future that we wanted, or a relationship that we no longer have. I think you'll see today that experiencing loss is a much bigger part of God's covenants than what you may think. So today, as we continue on our series, This is Our God, I want you to see our God as a God of covenant. There are three things that I want to show you today about our God. Well, I guess it's not quite three anymore, but (laughs) close enough. (laughs) The the first thing is this. All of God's covenants require sacrifice. Before we dive into that, I want to show you a quick visual that covers the seven main covenants in Scripture. Now, I won't go over all these today, but I just want you to be familiar. All of God's covenants require sacrifice. I do want to touch on several of the covenants today and specifically dive into a couple because I believe God has something really special to show us when we look at all of his covenants as a whole. 
You could argue that Adam and Eve, okay, let's just be honest, Eve ruined the very first ever covenant <laughs> by eating fruit and ruining a perfect world that was free of sin. You're going to get me emails about that. <laughs> okay, don't email Kenny about that either, please. Okay, but I want to start today by focusing on Noah and God's covenant with him. The first scripture I want to look at is in, is in Genesis 6, starting in verse 5. The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on earth had become, and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. The Lord was grieved that he had made man on earth, and his heart was filled with pain. So the Lord said, I will wipe out mankind whom I have created from the face of the earth, men and animals and creatures that move along the ground, and birds of the air, for I am grieved that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Aside from Eve ruining a perfect world with only two people in it, I would argue that God wiping out 1,650 years of creation, less Noah and the contents of the ark, is numerically speaking probably the biggest sacrifice that we will discuss today. I think a lot of times we get caught up in the idea of the living side of the flood while focusing on Noah, his sons, and the contents of the ark. Have you ever thought about the flood itself, the other side of the flood, the sacrifice? Noah was on the ark for roughly 150 days while everything perished around him. God, who is perfect, after nearly 1,700 years of creation, was just like, as I've heard Pastor Kenny say, yo, homie, this ain't it. (laughs) It just started all over again. After surviving the flood and exiting the ark, we see the first actual mention of a covenant in Scripture in Genesis 9, starting in verse 8. Then God said to Noah and his sons with him, I now establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you and with every living creature that was with you the birds, the livestock, and all the wild animals, all those that came out of the ark with you, every living creature on earth. I establish my covenant with you. Never again will all life be cut off by the waters of a flood. Never again will there be a flood to destroy the earth. God sacrificed everything he created outside of the ark in order to make a covenant with Noah. Here we see God promising to bless Noah and all the generations to come because scripture says Noah was a righteous man, blameless among his people, And he even walked with God. Without God's sacrifice, Noah's covenant doesn't exist. Without Noah's obedience to God, Noah's blessings don't exist. I'll talk about the idea of obedience more a little bit later. For a bit of context and biblical timeline, following God's covenant with Noah, as you saw on the slide earlier, we see the covenant with Abraham in Genesis 15 that I'll get into soon. And we also see the covenant of circumcision in Genesis 17, but the next covenant I want to discuss is Moses, as God delivers them from the hand, delivers the Israelites from the hands of the Egyptians. The Lord is with Moses on Mount Sinai, where we pick up in Exodus, starting in chapter 34, verse 10. Then the Lord said, I am making a covenant with you before all your people. I will do wonders never before done in any nation in all the world. The people you live among will see how awesome is the work that I, the Lord, will do for you. Obey what I command you today. I will drive out before you the Amorites, Canaanites, Hittites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. Be careful not to make a treaty with those who live in the land where you are going, or they will be a snare among you. Break down their altars, smash their sacred stones, and cut down their Asherah poles. Do not worship any other god, for the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous god. You see, there's a pattern to God's covenants. God makes the Ten Commandments through Moses for the Israelites to follow. This is the commitment or sacrifice 
that God is asking of his people. In turn, God said, I will do wonders never seen before. People you live among will see how awesome the work I do is. This is God's side of the covenant, the unbroken side. This moment with God and Moses and the Israelites on Mount Sinai is huge. God chose a bloodline in Noah's family and is now choosing a select group of people in the Israelites. God is saying, you will be my people and I will be your God. This is literally a marriage between God and his people. I couldn't help but think about comparing this to the desperate way in which I parent at times. Just this past week at home one night, Aaron was working late. I had both kids at the house. Dinner was on the stove. The dogs were barking. My work phone was ringing, and both kids were in a full-on brawl in the living room. In the chaos, I walked over to the kids, and I told the parenting version of doing wonders never seen before, which is something I would never do, which is, hey, I'll take your iPads away forever if you guys don't calm down. I think we can all relate to this at some point or another in our lives, being desperate to stop the chaos, desperate for obedience, especially of those that we love. Now, in no way am I saying that God was desperate like I am, but what I'm saying is this. God was actively pursuing his people, setting some ground rules for them, ground rules that we still see today, trying to love them. Every covenant we've discussed up until this point was bound to fail, though. Why is that? It's because of us. Humans are part of the equation. Scripture says that we have all sinned and we fall short of the glory of God. Covenants fail because of the human element. But, and like Pastor Kenny, I love big biblical buts. <laughs> there is a shift coming in one of God's covenants that's going to change everything. And this leads me to my next point about our covenant God. The second thing you need to know about our covenant God is this. God gives blessing on the other side of obedience. God gives blessing on the other side of obedience. I skipped over God's covenant with Abraham earlier because this covenant, along with Genesis 22, is one of my favorite stories in all of Scripture. The story of Abraham and Isaac are both probably familiar to most of us. Pastor Kenny often talks about the lullaby effect, in which when we hear a familiar Scripture story, we tend to tune out or we go through the motions, thinking that since we know the story and we know that God has provided something to us in the past, that that's all that God has for us. I'm here to tell you today that that's just simply not true. I don't know how well you can see it from here, but this is my Fellowship of Christian Athletes Bible that I've had for over 20 years. I have lots of scripture underlined, written in the margins from Bible studies back from when I was in high school. The beautiful thing about God's word is this, it's living. This particular Bible is a testament to that. I can tell you with certainty that the way in which God's word speaks to me today is much different than the way it spoke to me in a Bible study back in high school. I say that to urge you not to be lulled to sleep by a familiar story, because I believe God has something to show you that many of us have not seen before. As a little context to where we are to begin Genesis 22, even though Abraham already had a son, Ishmael, with Hagar, he and Sarah's servant, and was 100 years old, God had promised Abraham his own son and Isaac. I'll start off reading in Genesis 22, starting in verse 1. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and saddled his donkey. 
he took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place that God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and we will come back. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Father, yes, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place that God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his own son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. I want to stop there for now. There's a lot to unpack in Genesis 22. For what I want us to focus on today is Abraham's obedience to God. The angel spoke to him one day, and early the next morning, he wakes up, grabs his donkey, his two servants, and his only son, and he's gone. Now think about that for a second. Abraham didn't ask why. He didn't argue. He didn't even say anything back to the Lord other than, here I am. I think sometimes in life we complicate things. When God's trying to speak to us, Instead of excuses, instead of the why we can'ts, I think there needs to be a moment where sometimes we just say, here I am. Again, I'll use my kids as an example. I think most of you can relate. Anybody else here ever have to yell at your kids for any reason? No. Anybody? No, just me? I don't know about you, but in our household, my kids, admittedly like me sometimes, practice selective hearing. We start off asking nicely, the simplest of tasks, and each time they don't listen, my wife and I get more and more frustrated, more and more fired up, until eventually we have to yell just to get our kids to respond, to get them to take some kind of action. And what's even worse is that they get upset that we yelled at them. Does this sound familiar to anybody? My point is this. My kids and Abraham on the opposite side of the obedience spectrum. But seriously, think about this for a minute. What fascinates me about Genesis 22 and Scripture in general is this. Sometimes it's what isn't being said that God wants you to see. Sometimes it's what isn't being said that God wants you to see. For instance, do you think Abraham slept at all the night before he, go to, before he went to sacrifice his only son that he waited 100 years to have? What do you think him and Isaac talked about for two days on their journey as it was in the third day that he saw where he was going to make the sacrifice? Young teens are curious, and they're anything but silent. I'm just saying, I think we need to open our eyes when we read God's word and understand that just as much is said in the words that are on the pages as those that are not. I want to share one more small passage in Genesis 22, starting in verse 15. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies. 
and through, all, and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. God's covenant with Abraham has everything to do with obedience. Right there in verse 16, because you have done this, I will surely bless you. I've sat where you all are sitting many more Sundays than I've stood where I am today. Some of those Sundays for me, and I'm sure many of you, there's something going on in our life. We come in carrying a weight that everyone around us has no idea that we carry. What weight is it that you came carrying in today? Is there a way in which you can be obedient to God so that he can bless you, so that he can take that weight off of you? I can tell you that for me, part of that obedience is standing up here. It would be a stretch for me to say that what I'm doing right now is anything but comfortable. But I believe, and I think you should too, that God's word showed us, shows us that on the other side of obedience is his blessing. My third and final point, if you're taking notes, is this. God's covenants all belong to Jesus. God's covenants all belong to Jesus. The first point we made today was that all of God's covenants require sacrifice. The new covenant of Christ's body broken, of his blood poured out for you and for me, is no different. The sacrifices we see before Jesus were always innocent blood being shed before God as an atonement for sin. Just like Abraham saying to his son Isaac, God will provide the lamb. The new, in the new covenant, he did in Jesus. You see all the covenants with Noah, with Abraham, with Israel, were all imperfect because they were missing something. Jesus. Hebrews outlines this in chapter 8, starting in verse 6. But in fact, the ministry Jesus has received is as superior to theirs as the covenant of which he is mediator is superior to the old one. Since the new covenant is established on better promises. For if there had been nothing wrong with the first covenant, no place would have been sought for another. But God found fault with the people and said, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt, because they did not remain faithful to my covenant. And I turned away from them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will establish with the people of Israel. After that time, declares the Lord, I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. No longer will they, reach, will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, Know the Lord, because they will all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, for I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins. God's word tells us right there that this new covenant is established on better promises. It shows us that even though God's people were not faithful, he always is. Until I studied this passage in Hebrews, I often wondered why God just didn't start with the new covenant in the first place. Why couldn't have Jesus have come early on? The answer is right there too. You see, through all the covenants, although imperfect, necessary, because they had to lead us to a place where God could make them all perfect with Jesus. God's covenants in the Old Testament set the stage for our Savior to be the Lamb, to be the innocent sacrifice that was needed to pay for my sins and for yours. God started a covenant with the bloodline in Noah and in Abraham and extended that to the nation of Israel. 
each time the fault of the failure was on us. You see, obedience and faithfulness when it comes to us, to humans, is great, but also incomplete. We will mess it up 100% of the time. The good news is this. God knows us, you and I, inside and out, because he created us, knitted us in our mother's womb. The new covenant provides an everlasting avenue of forgiveness in Jesus. The shortcomings of all the covenants ahead of Jesus set the stage for him to make all of God's promises to us complete. The body and the blood of Jesus, if you accept him as your Lord and Savior, allows us to keep up our end of the covenant. At the beginning of today, I told you a part of the story about my hand. I left off in a place where I knew it was gone, was not coming back, but I didn't want to accept that and I didn't want to look at what was left either. One night, about a week into not being able to look at my own hand, I saw a reel on Instagram of a man I had never seen before. His name's Nicholas Mujic. He's a Christian evangelist. I think we have a picture of him to show you. hit me like a ton of bricks. It was out of feel so sorry for myself. After losing something so small, yet up until that moment, it felt so big. God humbled me in that moment with perspective. In that moment, I felt the Spirit of the Lord speak to me, and I peeked from behind my phone at my hand, significantly for the first time. And from that moment on, God began a healing in my life for a pain that I'd never experienced before. God lifted a weight that I was carrying, a weight that I hid pretty well from even my family. And he began to heal me in a way that only he could. Now let me be clear, this is not about me. This is not about what happened to me. This is about focusing on God when the weight we are carrying is too much for us to bear. Whatever the weight is that you came in carrying today, has already been carried by Jesus on the cross. This is about being obedient to God in those areas of our lives that we hold on to. We don't want to let God in. The same God that you trust with your salvation was so faithful to Noah and to Abraham, to Moses and the Israelites, and he promises to be faithful to you and to me too. So much so that in order to make one final, everlasting covenant, He sent his only son, Jesus, to earth to live a perfect life, to die for your sins and for mine. This is our covenant God. This is our God. We all please stand. Let us all pray. God, speak to your people in this moment. I pray, Father, that we would all be obedient to you that we would all love and chase after you like you do us. God, we're thankful for your faithfulness to Noah, to Abraham, to Moses and the Israelites, and to us. We're thankful that Jesus prayed the price for our sins, that he carried our way, so that if we believe in him, that we would have eternal life with you. God, it's in his precious name that we pray all these things. Thanks for listening to today's episode. 
If there's anything that we can do to serve you or come alongside of you in your journey, please reach out. You can reach us at hello at myhomechurch.cc.